You guys excited? Are you excited to see 2022 go away? (laughs) Me too. You know, uh, rest has been on my mind a lot. I I work too much, uh, I do too much, and uh, that makes your life uh, tumultuous. You know, it makes it arduous sometimes. It's just hard, you know. So it's it's funny, but my wife and I had talked in in walking our neighborhood and everything that... uh, the time that Christ was in the bottom of this boat and the seas were just crazy and the disciples were in fear and yet he was just at rest during the storm. Really all they had to do was just man the rudder, just point the ship in the right direction. God's wind is going to drive it wherever he wants it to go. And that's the, the picture that we've got to have is that God is in control. It's okay. Right? He'll see us through even 2022, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm thankful for it, but I'm also thankful that it's gone, and uh, I'm look, looking for a, a good time this year. Uh, a lot of what has come up in my life personally, and I think it's something that touches all of our lives, are boundaries. And uh, I thought about boundaries. It, it, boundaries has so much to do with <clears throat> who I am as a, an employee, what are my, where, where do I, where's my responsibility end and where does it begin? What's my job as an employee? What's my job as an employer? What's my role as a husband? What's my role as a, a leader? What's my role as being a father? These all have boundaries in them. And a lot of times we don't respect people's boundaries and I had to write out almost word for word what I was going to say today because this is such a dynamic topic that it's easy to rabbit trail, and I love rabbit trails (laughs) as much as anybody else, but I've got to set a boundary on myself not to rabbit trail and lose this entire thought of what we're trying to say today. Um, It's such an interesting topic. We're conflicted as Christians. Uh, We want to love people. And a lot of times we don't know where that should cease, where, where we might stand in, for example, for someone and live their life for them when they're plenty capable of living their life themselves. We might look at somebody that's in desperate need and they're like, you've got to help me with this. You've got to help me. It's like, no, I don't. You're plenty capable of bearing this burden yourself. And I can help you understand how you can bear that burden. But ultimately, all of us have to live our own lives. Uh, Paul said something that to uh, some people might sound cruel. He said, if he won't work, he doesn't eat. And, you know, we could say this about our homeless population, for example. If you're not going to work, you're not going to eat. But we know that there are some people who are so incapable of living that life that that load that they should be able to bear, they can't. And so that becomes a burden, right? It's a burden too heavy for them to bear. And so the difference between a load and a burden is a load, I can handle my own load, right? And we do this when we raise children. We pamper them. We don't let them get crushed by the weight of what it's like to be a person under 
learning in school or whatever it might be, so we try to live their life for them, but that's their load. They need to learn that. A burden, Paul says, every, Paul said in uh, Galatians, every, every, each shall bear his own load. But then it talks about burdens, and it talks about bear one another's burdens. And that's where we are as a church, is it's, a difficult, it's difficult to gauge when we need to step in and when we need to step out, right? We can't bear someone else's load forever, right? And there's all these different dynamic relationships like that. And so I tried to define a boundary in a way that makes sense, that fits. Um, and my definition started out with Webster's Dictionary. And it started out with you know, a few online searches to kind of you know, put something out there. And I'm like, well, that doesn't fit. So I had to whittle it down, had to whittle it down, whittle it down. And I came to this, uh, defining word for boundary is a limit. That's all I could say. <laughs> it's a limit, right? That's all it is. Seems pretty easy. But boundaries are everywhere. Um, I think you guys understand every single time you drive, you're in your lane. And thank God the other person stays in their lane, <laughs> right? <laughs> When you're going out to the coast, you see that guardrail. I don't know where it's at. There's a guardrail out there that, man, it's, it doesn't have contours anymore. It's flat. There's so many vehicles, you know, and they're, they're dragging across that guardrail as they come around these corners. And there's some hairpin turns, and that's tight getting over to the coast in certain places. Thank God the other person stayed in their lane. I mean, that's, that's kind of a hairy, hairy experience. And so boundaries are everywhere. They're, they're visible. We see them on the road. Uh, they're also invisible, as in uh, boundaries of personhood, right? I can't just, I mean, if you guys ever had a problem and you're like, uh, hey, having a hard time in my life, this is what's going on, and somebody steps in and, well, what you need to do is you need to, and they're going on and on and on. And it's like, I didn't give you permission to come in and tell me what I'm going to do with my life, right? <laughs> I need you to be my friend and just be, can I pray for you? Right, And so there's personhood, and, and a lot of times we, we lose personhood in marriage where you think that the other person is your property and you don't respect them as a person anymore. You don't ask for permission to come in. You just control, right? And so there's, there's these invisible boundaries, and sometimes as adults we've never been taught how to be a father. We never taught, we're taught how to be a good husband. We, aren't, we don't understand where we need to take responsibility and where we, where we don't. And we're going to be talking about all of those things, finances and business and marriage, and we're going to have guest speakers come in. Bob Wood, who, you know, he's had a, he's had a tough marriage at, at certain times, and he's going to be talking on boundaries in marriage. We want to bring in qualified people that know what they're talking about to come in and give us kind of a fresh perspective on who we should be to who, right? And so I wanted to follow uh, a track backwards. All of these boundaries that we have, it all tracks backwards to greater things, greater than ourselves, greater than our marriage, greater than our society. Boundaries are greater than uh, international relations. They're greater than this world. Right? We're governed by academics. We're governed by laws in this universe. The only reason why we're sitting in these chairs right now is because of the boundaries of gravity. 
Otherwise, you'd guys be flying up at the ceiling, right? So there's boundaries, just boundaries and boundaries. And it's interesting because you track that back and you go into creation. And then finally, you get back to God himself. And does God have boundaries? And it's kind of an interesting trek that we'll go on here. And it might sound blasphemous, but God himself could not exist without boundaries. There's no way. He couldn't do it. And so there's the, there's the cinnamon, cinnamon, <laughs> uh, cinnamon, there's cinnamon, it's very, very tasty. Uh, there's a synonym for the word boundaries, and that's when God tells us that he's holy. And this gets me kind of choked up because it's so amazing. God saying that he's holy means that he's separate from everything else. He's separate from other things. There are things that he is not, and there's things that he is. And we can start out with the attributes of God. Attributes of God are things like his omniscience, his omnipotence, his omnipresence. And basically this means that God, in his attributes, he's unlimited in power. He's unlimited in time. He exists out of space and time. And we know that he exists out of, outside of space and time because in order to, to create, he had to create space to put matter in it. He's outside of that. And he's outside of time because he says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He knows everything that's going to happen. He's unlimited in knowledge. And that gets pretty impressive because uh, we read in the Bible that uh, he says, Woe to you, Bethsaida, because if I did the things that I did in you today, if I did those things in Sodom and Gomorrah, it would have existed until this day. And so Christ is not telling us that God knows everything that will happen only. He's telling us that God knows everything that will never happen. Every decision you never made, every decision every one of us in this room has never made, he knows the ending of all of those things as well. And that's impressive. That, that's, I can't even comprehend that. And then unlimited presence. He's in every one of our lives. He knows every waking thought that we have all at once. And those attributes don't tell us much about him at all. He's unlimited. Then what? If you were to give someone unlimited power, what would they do with it? Right? Well, what would I do with unlimited power? I would probably kill myself. <laughs> right? Uh, I'd love to have those Superman dreams where you're flying, you know, and you go right through that mountain, and then all of a sudden that doesn't happen. But unlimited power, I, I wouldn't want it. And that, this is what's interesting about God's boundaries <clears throat> is that when we talk about holiness, unlimitedness, unlimited power, knowledge, presence, all of these things, they're all bound, bind, bounded, so to speak, by his character. How do I know that God's not going to explode and I'm just going to like burst into pieces because of what I said, right? When I accuse God of something, how do I know how he's going to react towards me? 
What is he going to do with his power? What is he going to do with all of this control? And he's holy. And so God tells us about him stuff and that, about himself, and that's the good stuff, right? In First uh, John chapter four, he says, uh, "God is love." I'd be scared of a God that had unlimited power unless I knew he's loving. Then it's not so scary. It says that God cannot lie. Isn't it interesting to say the things that God cannot do? Right? That could be a whole sermon series. What God can't do, he can't lie. This, is the, this, this one's hard to wrap my head around. God cannot change. He doesn't change. And we look in the Bible and we see things that he has changed on, and we're like, no, he does change. And it's like, no. We talk about like uh, Nineveh, for example, and Jonah. And Jonah was so upset that he changed his mind. It's like, who changed their mind? God or Nineveh? Nineveh did, right? They changed their position on something, and God reacted differently, right? He is unchangeable. That's why he's impartial. That's why he doesn't treat us differently. God does not force himself upon us in our will to choose. In Matthew 23, he talked about Jerusalem, and he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how much I wanted to gather you as chicks under her wings, but you weren't willing. With all of his power, could he force Israel to love him? I mean, we look at Nebuchadnezzar. He was fighting against God and he became an animal, right? He was like a beast of the earth, had no knowledge. And then when he brought uh, him out of that, he just praised God. He's like, he has control over everything. And yet he limits himself. And so God can't act outside of who he is, and he's not compelled to. Looking back on his unchangeableness, he says, uh, or I wrote, he is, ex- he is eternally fixed in person and power. He's eternally fixed in person and power. He knows who he is, and he knows who he is not. That's our problem. (laughs) We don't know who we are or who we should be. We don't know what we are and what we are not. And that's the the mystery that surrounds boundaries. That's why this is going to be a great series. It's written in Hebrews, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Eternally fixed. And so we ask the, 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 the question, if God is eternally fixed, if he doesn't change, is he free? What would you think? Is he free if he can't change? If he, is he free? And we've got to look at what freedom even means at that point. What does freedom mean? Does freedom mean that I can do whatever I want to do regardless of what people think? Can I do just whatever I want to do? No, I can't. Why? A lot of it has to do with character. A lot, of, a lot of it has to do with, I know that's wrong. I can't do that. So character, just like we're made in the image of God, the character fixes us. And if we do something that's stupid, driving too fast down the road, we might get a ticket, right? 
if I decide that uh, I'm going to go take John's tractor, I might go to jail, right? I am my most free when I live in agreement with other people. I think that's what it means that first and foremost, God is love. That's the only way we can function in society is if we love people. If I love and respect your time, if I love and respect your space, your things, then we can get along. Those are the railroad tracks. The railroad tracks, they seem like they're um, uh, binding to a train, but that train can't be free unless it's on the tracks. So we can't be free unless we live within, within these boundaries. We can't enjoy a great relationship with one another if we don't live within certain relational boundaries. So I just looked up a Google dictionary. Google knows everything. <laughs> Always right. Defines freedom as the power uh, or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. And so we often view freedom as this absence of restriction where we can do anything we want to do, but it's irrational to think that if we were in God's shoes that we could do whatever we want to do. And so let's look at, this is turning towards, uh, from God towards creation. And without time as a boundary, we couldn't progress. If we didn't have consistency in time, I could not see events one after another, after another, after another. Without time, everything would be chaos at that point. So time is a boundary. Without space, we'd have no place for matter. Without consistency, we could not measure a number. That's the funny thing, is if we had a dispute about some, what the, the length of something was, what, what would we do? You say it's 55 inches, I say it's 57. What would we do? What, good tape measure. Okay, it's 56. We were both wrong. Right? No big deal. If we wondered about a, the weight of something and we were arguing about a, a weight of something, we would go grab a scale. But it's the moral things that we can't measure a lot of times, that we can't weigh. And so those are the things that we're in conflict about. Those are the things that we have trouble with in, in terms of boundaries. So the boundaries of God are really the very structures that set him free. And what's funny is he's this fixed person. He is who he is and who he is not, he is not. He's a fixed person. He deals with everyone without partiality because he's the same to everybody. And then he comes to us and he goes, I want to set you free. And we look at him and we go, your ways aren't free. I feel like if I conform to the image of Jesus Christ, I'm not going to be free. That's what we fight against. And so it's, uh, when we turn towards creation, <clears throat> we, there's people who actually look at creation, they look at time, they look at uh, everything that's around us, and these people become scientists, engineers, mathematicians, physicians, and they study the way God has constructed things. But without the consistency of creation, we couldn't even, we couldn't even have those disciplines. If I were to set something out here and I said another thing out there, I would say, oh, that's one, two, 
But if we didn't have consistency and this one disappeared and reappeared and another third one came out, we would have no consistency in everything, anything at all. And so life is a little bit like a recipe without the right ingredients, without the right temperature, without the right time in the oven, you're going to see a tragic end to your mother's birthday cake, (laughs) right? It ain't going to work out. So sometimes we want to put our spin on it. Sometimes we want to put a little pizzazz in it, right, to make it fun. And then things break down in our lives and we wonder why. Everything around us is consistent. And so we have to find out how to make that cake by the recipe, I'm going to go into this psalm. It's Psalm 104, and you can read the whole thing if you'd like, but it talks about that everything that God did in creation, everything that he did has purpose, and it also supports life itself. So in Psalm 104, it says, He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and vegetation for the service of man that he may bring forth food from the earth. And wine that makes, the glad, makes glad the heart of man. Oil for his face to shine. And it's hard to believe that God would want us to drink wine. But he says it makes your heart glad. In moderation, it's fine. I made that for you. <clears throat> Told you so. Yeah. <laughs> it says the trees of the Lord are full. The cedars of Lebanon, which he planted... Where the birds make their nests. He made trees so that birds would have a place to nest. The, the most minute thing, you know. The stork has her home in the fir trees. The high heels are for the wild goats. The cliffs are for the rock badgers. He appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knows it's going down. Where would we be if we were in agriculture and you couldn't count on seasons? Where would we be with that? You make the darkness and it is night in which all the beasts of the forest can creep about. The young lions roar after their prey, and they seek their food from God. We watch lions uh, tear prey apart. We're like, where's their boundaries? Right? That's not right. But he's he's made the the world in such a way that they get their food in in that manner. When the sun rises, they gather together and lie down in their dens. Man goes out to work and to do his labor until evening, O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your possessions, the great and wide sea, which innumerable teeming things, living things that both are great and small. It says, uh, you open your hand and they are filled with good. You hide your face and they are troubled. You take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. You send forth your spirit, and they are created. You renew the face of the earth. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He looks on the earth, and it trembles. He touches the hills, and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing to the praise of my God while I have my being. May my meditation be sweet to him. I will be uh, be glad in the Lord. O my soul, praise the Lord. And he's just he's looking at everything that God has done, and he, he just wants to conform to this in order to be just free. He knows that he's done it. So in, 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 in conclusion, life is full of boundaries. Something that Ed had mentioned, uh, I think I've said the word boundaries so much in the last month in conversation with Ed, with my wife, with uh, Brian, with the elders, 
we've talking a lot about where, where these things, we're excited about it, but Ed brought up the fact that even words have boundaries. And I'm going to bring this up a little bit later, but this world is all about homogeny. It's about losing the meaning of man. It's losing the meaning of woman. It's losing the meaning of husband. It's losing the meaning of woman, wife, children. We're trying to mix them all together so none of that has boundaries anymore. It's a, it's a hodgepodge of garbage, and it's, just tell, it's tearing down society as we speak. So even words have boundaries. And with those words, we have definitions. And if we don't have the same definition, we can't talk to one another. We we would be confused. It's the Tower of Babel. We would all just go our own ways because we're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. You're weird. We just go that way, right? And but with those words, we have to put those in sentences. Those sentences have to be put in paragraphs, thoughts. And if we don't speak in the right order, nothing makes sense either. And so that's what we got to realize is there, there's a way of approach to one another relationally that makes sense and it works. And there's a way not to approach someone else relationally because that would, that would break things down. So does it work when you scream at your wife? No? You're trying to convey something. Why not? Why doesn't it work? They're not going to listen to you like that, right? There's this courting process, you know, and sometimes it ends at marriage for some reason. We just think, I got her. I got him, you know. And we, uh, we, ex- we expect your respect instead of courting you for your respect, right? That seems to stop for whatever reason. So even language has... Uh, uh, Boundaries, the way that we uh, communicate that language matters, right? If I screamed at you this whole sermon, you probably wouldn't listen to me. It just doesn't work that way. So even vocal inflection means something. You know, if somebody's talking like this all the time, and oh my goodness, and you see their body language and you see the inflection in their voice, and it, it, you know something's wrong. But if somebody speaks upwardly and they're happy, right? We understand what they're, what they're trying to communicate. But if we don't do it that way, if I acted angry, but I'm really happy about something, that's going to come across as very confusing. So the way that we talk to people, the way that we kind of court people, there's this, this bowing of the knee, so to speak, to a person to say, uh, would you mind if I spoke into your life about that? I think most of us would say you, you have permission, right? And we would be okay with that, but we're not okay with somebody coming right into our face saying, this is what you need to do because they're violating our boundaries, right? They're not asking permission. All kinds of, uh, of really exciting stuff. So if we find true freedom through our boundaries and limits in this process of communication, if we find true freedom in communicating things to one another with those limits, with those boundaries, why do we feel so restricted? Why is it such a pain to go through a process to communicate something? Why is it so arduous? Why do we look at that as restrictive? When we have to conform to Jesus, 
in our sufferings with him, and we have to work through a difficult problem, why do I resist that, right? And I think the answer is very simple. Our flesh bound to sin lies to us. We feel restricted because we haven't set healthy boundaries. We aren't focused on being thankful for what we have. If you've got to do the speed limit to come to church, we look at that and we're like, I don't know, 45, I'll bump that up to 50, you know, because we don't like the feeling of boundaries. But if you do the speed limit and you think, that's going to get me there safe, it's going to get me to a place where I can see my friends, my family, and I'm happy that I'm, I have a vehicle, I'm happy that I'm able to drive, that I, have, uh, that I can afford fuel. Thank you, Lord. Right? Speed limits don't really seem all that restrictive at that point. And so I think it's a problem of rejoicing. It's a problem of, of being thankful for what we have every day. And when we're not thankful, we tend to abuse our boundaries. We tend to abuse people, right? If I'm not thankful for Randy, then he becomes a burden to me. We have to look at people and find something that we love about them and edify them, right? Grow them up. We have to love people and be thankful for them to stay within our boundaries to feel like it's not a burden. It's pretty simple. And if you look at the Garden of Eden, in hindsight, that looks pretty good, right? But that's not what Eve had her eyes set on. She wasn't thankful for what she had. God said, don't, don't eat of that tree. And Satan said, you want to know what true freedom is? You want to become like God so you can know good and evil? Then violate the boundary he set. And we're looking back at Eve and we're going, are you nuts? Do you realize what you just did to our earth? The hatred, the envy, the selfishness that came out of that? We look back on that and say, I would, I would, I would love to be back in the garden again. But she wasn't thankful for what she had. And that's our problem a lot of times. Is we think that the, our freedom is restricted in Jesus because I don't want to be told what to do. I want to do what I want to do. And by that, we actually make life worse. It's kind of a paradox of sorts. But we've, if, if we're thankful for what we have and thankful for what he's given us, then we don't feel that restricted. So the boundary series is really about one thing, <clears throat> and that's to set us free. There are lots of topics, uh, interpersonal relationship, business, finances, marriage, kids. This might lead to a point where you're going, I'm screwed up in that point, right? <laughs> and none of us is perfect, but that's why we want to have some guest speakers who want people that, that are doing it right in whatever area we're talking about. We want somebody that, that knows how to live life right in that area to speak to us about what are my boundaries as a husband? How do I treat my wife? How do I treat my children? What is the best way to do that? And I don't know everything, and so <laughs> I can't be here for all those topics. I've got to listen. And so we're really excited, really excited about this sermon series, and I hope you're excited about it too. And uh, we'll move on to 2023, hopefully living a, a freer life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for our church family. There's so much, Lord, that we don't understand about you.
and we understand that you are free and you're unchangeable. And I just ask, Lord, that you work with us um, to make us understand why being fixed is the most freedom that we'll ever have. Because you said that you will set us free, and we believe you. In Jesus' name, amen.